Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 283. Man, we're getting close to that 300 number. So at the end of last week's podcast, um, Parker threw out a question to everyone that was just basically, oh, uh, it was along the lines of if you could design a custom multimeter, what would it, what it, what would it look like and what would it be? Um, and I thought it'd be fun to kind of gig on that idea this episode and talk about a multimeter because uh, so so Parker's been kind of dreaming big for some uh, test equipment uh, on I, his. I side. think dreaming small, but in a big way. I I you know it's 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 the Macfab Engineering Podcast. When we make an idea, it usually starts out big, and then it either fails or gets shrunk down enough to the point where it's functional, right? Uh, uh, achievable, 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 <laughs> reasonable, reasonable, mildly reasonable, reasonably achievable, <laughs> just past the threshold of achievable. <laughs> so, so yeah, I thought it'd be fun to talk about a custom multimeter to kind of meet the idea of Parker's new fleet of test equipment, macro test equipment, TM macro boxes. Macro boxes. Actually, I have no idea if what we would ever call them. Actually, the thing is, if we if we ever did a multimeter, it would be called the macro meter. Of course, it would. Because right? of course, right? Because remember the macro amp? Oh yeah, yeah. We have the macro amp. Um, we well, you've been kind of dreaming up the macro supply, right? Macro supply. That's actually what I've I've thought we were going to talk about because I've been working more on that. The multimeter is actually something that could be more community driven, I think, because we are going to try to open source as much as we can on this project. I think it would be fun to make it uh, just reasonable enough such that anyone could build one, um, but 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 good enough that you could use it in industry. Yeah, and um, good enough for industry uh, open source stuff, but I think the big thing is clamping down on the specifications and its functionality early and if someone wants more guess what it's open source learn adapt overcome and make a pull request <laughs> github good luck uh, GitHub, good luck <laughs> <laughs> well okay and and so so what's funny is basically what i've written down on our notes to kind of talk about today is those specifications is is just let's start hammering out let's 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 duke it out and figure out like what is a generic multimeter that will work for most applications uh, that doesn't just break the bank and make this a massive project that won't ever happen. All right. So I think before we dive into specifications, like what is the use case for this yeah. first? Yeah. Like why why even do this? Like what's the whole point here? Yeah. Why? Um, what, what are the use cases? So. My use case, what I want out of this is I need a multimeter that fits into a 1U rack mount case. So that is uh, 17 inches wide, which is that's pretty large, but about 8 inches deep, 1 and 3 quarters inch tall. Is That's the outside dimension of the box. So inside slightly smaller than that, but... Well, whatever. and the rack face is 19 inches. Yeah, well, that's with the ears. Yeah, the ears. The are ears 19 are nineteen wide, wide. Um, and then all the hookups are in the back of the of the meter, 
No hookups to the front because this is designed to go into a rack mount and be hooked up to other test equipment. It is not uh, it is not designed for an operator to be plugging stuff into this thing. It's for a computer to talk to it and go, get me the acquisition of that of the reading right now. And then it gets it. Um, I think a little screen on the front that just lets you know what the meter is doing at the time might be useful. And maybe if we design this small enough, we can put like two, three, four into one of these one U racks. So I, I, cause it's 17 inches wide. You've got a lot of real estate in these, in these cases. Um, especially if we're not designing crazy, uh, like a like a multimeter nowadays is like, you know, it's like a playing card uh, <laughs> deck of cards. It's like okay, we can fit a lot of deck of cards into one of these racks. So that's that's what I'm getting at now. And for specifications, voltage ratings, that kind of stuff. If it handles, I guess we'll get there. But if it handles what your handheld multimeter can handle, it's pretty much what it needs to do. So your your use case is is perhaps a little bit different than what uh, people might have been thinking when when we originally said custom multimeter, but I think your use case is actually really great in this situation because if you step outside your use case and you're and you start thinking about designing a multimeter that somebody can use on their bench to you know probe around something, just go buy one, uh, right? Yeah. This this custom multimeter. I think solves a a few issues, or maybe not even issues, but but it, but it it scratches an itch, shall we say, to have a decent way to um, gather data, talk in a very simple way to a computer, and log that data somehow, right? And uh, and that's sort of what you're getting at, as opposed to like, if you want to get a handheld multimeter that does that, that's great, and you can pull that off, but then uh, like you end up getting into the Raspberry Pi issue of where like you have one thing with 15 different cables around it and it requires setup every single time you want to set it up. And in a production environment, that's not as desirable. So if you could have something that's like a rack mount case that just is easy to plug into your test bed and then run some kind of script that, that pulls everything, that seems ideal in this situation. That That's what I'm going for. It's not three plate. It's not a benchtop model it's not a desktop or a handheld model it's it's a it's a module it's a multimeter module and there are a couple of companies that make these like keith lee um and a couple others but frankly those are a little expensive um i yeah. say little they're they're like north of seven grand which is like okay parker you're gonna be spending a lot of time designing something your design time's worth money and stuff like yeah and <laughs> it design time's free, right? Exactly. But that's also one of those, it's learning. I've never designed a multimeter before, and so I want to try doing it. Well, and it, okay, so its application, its end application is to be in service testing customer gear Correct. Uh, or cu customers' products. And so when it comes down to the specifications, it's totally worth keeping that in mind. Like, at yes. the end of the day, this just goes into service testing people's um, equipment. Um, so, basically, its specifications should just cater to what the what what the average customer's device is going to go through. Correct. 
So to, in other words, let's stay away from edge cases. Let's it, this this thing doesn't need to be able to read forty thousand volts. Yeah, if it needs to re- if if I need to be able to read something like that, then I'm going to go buy the eight thousand dollar Keithley to do so. It'll be very custom. Yeah, yeah. But if so, the idea here is to make a rack mount ten dollar Harbor Freight meter <laughs> for more than ten dollars. <laughs> but that talks digitally to your computer and makes talks a digitally data to your computer easy. and yeah, there's more than what the ten dollar multimeter from Harbor Freight we're going to be doing. But that's that's the functionality I'm thinking. We'll probably need more digital precision, of course. Well, and and I was I was mentioning this to Parker earlier. Uh, you know, something that I would I would find useful at a contract manufacturer is say I had a few of these rack mount multimeters just lying around, uh, and a new customer comes up and says, "Hey, I've got a product. We're almost done with the uh, with the test procedure, but we were hoping to work with our contract manufacturer to figure things out." And they say, "Hey, what gear do you have?" You could provide a spec sheet and say, "Hey, I have this rack mount multimeter that makes all of this." Uh, test procedure a lot simpler does this work for you just just mm-hmm. hand them a one sheet little hey here's my meters and i think one thing about doing this as an open source project allows other people who are developing their own products they can look at this project as a way to incorporate into their own test procedures as well right right and and you know it's it's they can go, source, they can so. go and develop their own test procedures and not have to go buy the eight thousand dollar Keithley, they can go build their own, and you know, do it for I don't know what a couple hundred bucks maybe. We don't know yet. Actually, honestly, no idea what this price is going to be. It could be ten thousand dollars when we're all done. <laughs> yeah, I, I, hopefully it's under. So price point is I can buy two Siglent digital multimeters, throw them into a three U rack case. For like eight hundred to nine hundred dollars, that's with like banana jacks. So like, base, I'll have to take some pictures. But like, banana jacks basically coming from the inside the case, going into the front of the meters, and then the wires going up around the meters into plugs into the back, mm. and then the backs cut out with where the meters are like bolted to the back of the case. Um, I can do that for like eight hundred nine hundred dollars. So. Technically, we have to beat that price point for two channels, which I think it should be doable. I like the idea that uh, if it's open source and someone doesn't like some aspect about it, like you you mentioned earlier, no jacks on the front, jacks on the back. Well, if it's open source, so if you want jacks on the front, cut some holes on the front, stick them on there, and wire them in, and yeah, know, do a pull request for oh you know, jack in front design. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, that's totally what it is. Is if if someone wants to make a a front mount version or wants to add more physical buttons to it, sure, just make a pull request when we get to that point. Well, and I'm I'm also excited about this, not necessarily because it's a new project. Uh, that is fun, but uh, but but more that it is uh, kind of it ties into a, a larger group of other things that we've have been talking about like some power supply stuff, but also digital um, communication, like talking Skippy over to these devices and actually controlling them. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about some of the specifications that we think we might need out of this. Uh, so yeah. first of all, guaranteed it's a multimeter uh, where it's going to need 
DC voltage reading. Like, that's just a guarantee, right? Yeah, that's the first thing. Yeah. So what kind of range would we expect from our average client? The, the highest I've ever had to measure off a client product was 300 volts. And that's getting up there. Yeah, I think I think you could you could probably have it do less than that and you would cover still the vast majority. Oh, yeah. Uh, the next one after that's like 48. <laughs> right, right. Most most readings are 0 to 3 and a half, 3.3 volts basically. Um, there's some 5, some 12s. 12, yeah, some 24s. A couple, maybe. Yeah. And then it goes, there's 148 that I know of. And then after that's 300. Uh, it's, so like what, what's a normal meter? Like grab a multimeter and what is its top DC voltage range? My, uh, my Harbor Freight hits a thousand. Yeah. Let me, I've got a, I should have got a lot to sell because we were talking about this. Uh, I have a Beckman 310, which was my grandfather's. This is my, this is my Dillman family heirloom, by the way. <laughs> Um, it goes up to 1,500. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, lo- I'm looking at the specs for the Fluke 87, which is sort of like the de facto standard, and that's 1,000 DC. Okay, so... Well, it's, it's 1,000 AC as well, so... Yeah, so, yeah, let's say 1,000-volt DC is what a handheld model can do. Which, you know, all, all said and done, like, having wider DC voltage range... Um, it doesn't have a huge impact on the design to have a wider DC voltage range. Uh, I, to my knowledge, some one of the biggest things that it impacts is just your safety clearances and things like that when designing mm-hmm. things or choosing what wires you use. So yeah, um, yeah I think I think up to a thousand volt DC is would cover basically everyone. If you need something yeah, outside of that, it's super custom. Yeah, what is um. Like most of your cables or your probes are what Cat three one thousand volt. Yep, rated. Yeah. Um, So if you make your front end able to survive a thousand volts, that's kind of that's probably why that that number gets picked. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's now. I'm wondering if these probes that are in this bag from this Beckman are one thousand five hundred volt rated. (laughs) I'm looking real quick. You know, well, well, he's saying they don't have they don't have a cat rating or anything on them. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're good luck, good luck. They're just hard plastic. Yeah, they got they got the Beckman logo on them though. That's good. Uh, I I forgot to mention at the at the beginning, I I found an article. It's just a fun article about um, the electronics in meter design, and it's it's pretty basic, but it this is this is the electronic design in a very inexpensive meter. Well, uh, honestly, if you're a student in college or if you're learning electronics and you, you're looking at voltmeter versus ammeter and you're wondering how that actually gets accomplished, this is a really great article, and we'll post it up on the uh, on the blog post for this um, for this episode. Go go check it out if you're curious about how all of that gets done. This is it basically steps through every setting you would have, and then at the end of the article, you have a functional multimeter. Maybe not the world's greatest, but you'll have something that does what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think a thousand volt DC range will cover everything. 
cool. So I'm actually writing this down so we can write a little spec sheet and uh, and have a design goal or target of sorts. Mm-hmm. Accuracy. This one. This one's tough. This is like for me. It's like good enough because I don't. No one asks me how good my meters are, right? Yeah, and well, and and accuracy is kind of loaded. Um, that word when it comes to all of this, because uh, well, okay, it, accuracy versus precision. Like, if 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 I measure a thing a hundred times, am I going to measure the thing exactly the same every single time? That's precision, right? But uh, if uh, if if we're talking about accuracy, if we're talking about absolute accuracy, like how close are we to reality with each measurement, right? So it would depend on on the range because you don't need like microvolt precision when you're reading a thousand volts, right? Correct. So you know what? I think if you're all right with it, I would like to I would like to shelf accuracy <laughs> for the moment because what I think what will happen is that the design will end up dictating what the accuracy is. Because I think so too. Later on, we'll, we, we will probably run into designs that utilize sp- specific chips, and then we can choose between them, and those will let us dictate what the accuracy is. So one thing on accuracy, and this might be resolution as well, what does a foreign... Like, when you look at meters... You see like three and a half, four and a half, five and a half digits. Yeah. How does that play into this? Um, well, it's, you know, it's, it's also, that's, that's a bit confusing too. Uh, there's a handful of articles about that, uh, that I was, I was looking to link to one just to give people an idea on it. Um, uh, when, whenever you see, to me, that just means how many decimal places it goes to. Is that kind of the right idea? It's well, but it's interconnected also with whatever you're looking at. Because if you're looking at a thousand volts, it's not going to like say you have a four and so, a half digit. It's not going to show a thousand volts point zero 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 zero. Yeah. So you it's how many digits of precision you just have. So if you're if you're a four and a half digits at a thousand volts, the best you can do is a thousand point X. Well, the best you can show. Best you can show. Yes. Thousand point yeah. X. So right, you're, so you're in th- the that, that, that's, that determines of how many range. digits you're displaying on a screen effectively. Well, that, but not it, well. It's not just that um, because remember this thing doesn't have a screen, so it's just how uh, what its effective resolution and accuracy is um, at whatever range you're at, which I guess is the next thing is range. Yeah, so like a four and a half digit multimeter can display full four full digits and then a half digit after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you basically a, get four. Yeah, so a at a thousand volts, a four and a half digit would show a thousand point five or a thousand point zero or actually it can't uh, basically it just shows you it does it basically just don't consider the decimal. It shows you yeah a thousand. Right. Yes. So, uh, well, okay. So that is a question. How many digits would would you think would be uh, needed on this? I think four and a half to five and a half would be totally reasonable. Yeah, four and a half to five and a half is plenty fine for what we're going to be using this meter for. Yeah, because once again, if you need anything like way outside the edges, 
then uh, this isn't the meter for you. You would purchase something purpose built for that. So like six or seven or even eight and a half digit multimeters, like if you're making precision things that need to read down that low, buy the thing that's right for that. Mm-hmm. Don't don't rely on something that we designed to read down that low. Okay, so so here here's here's another function that uh, is divisive between people: auto range or manual range. I hate auto ranging. <laughs> Granted, I've only owned cheap meters, so I do know nice, and I have used nice meters that have decent auto ranging. Um, for this device you know what range you should be measuring. This is not a testing or valid. This is not even, uh, I shouldn't say not for testing because that's what this is for. This is not for experimentation. When you're experimenting with a circuit, you might have an idea what the range of that signal you want to read is, but honestly, it could be anything. Schrodinger signal. You don't know what it is, so you measure it. You know, actually, I like the idea of not having auto range because, uh, like you said, you should know what you're going, you're reading before you're going into it. That's the whole purpose of this thing. And if it's outside that range, that's actually a problem. It doesn't need to switch yeah. to a different range. It needs to say like, "Oh, I'm not in my test boundaries." Yes. Um, again, this is would be open source. So if someone wanted to write an auto range function, because that would probably be in mostly software for it to automatically switch between um, its ranges. So that could be in software. Um, Someone can make a pull request and add that functionality into it. But yeah, that's uh, all my meters are not auto ranging. So I think I think that's reasonable. My my meter right now that I use daily is not auto ranging, and yeah. I've never I've never been upset because it doesn't have that. <laughs> I've never been upset. Um, I I, I've, I would I've say the only use thing some is auto rangers that are really slow and they suck because of that and they're annoying. Yes, um, that's the problem. Is bad auto ranging is terrible or almost borderline unusable. Um, but on top of that, though, is you have to make sure. Uh, let's say we'd have to. I would say we have to design the hardware part portion of it so that if someone does implement auto ranging, that it can do so safely. Hmm. Yeah, like switching input resistance or whatever. Yeah, make sure that it can be done safely. Right, right. So design for it, but don't implement it. Well, on the software side, yeah. But that's just a safety thing. Um, making sure basically while it... Because what, what if you are testing something and you go, okay, set the range to blah, and it was the wrong range. So. Hmm. I guess there just need to be... I mean, you have to have safe checks on the, on the, on the uh, software side because this thing, it's just going to do what the software tells it, right? Well... So think about your multimeter that you have that's in your hand. If you hook it up to a high voltage input or a high voltage source and you wiggle the controls around on your multimeter, it doesn't explode in your hand. At least it shouldn't. Well, honestly, that's one of the reasons why uh, most multimeters have 
current reading as a whole separate jack. You have to move the jack yes. such that you can't swing the arm through. No, that. no, that, that's true. That's and ours would have the same. This meter would have the same thing. Sure, but um, somewhat right because that's a hardware protection. That is a physical mechanical yes. protection against those yeah. kinds of things. That's actually one thing we will get to when we get to DC AC current on here. Is I have an idea of for that, but that's the thing with auto ranging or switching ranges is if you're in the low voltage range by accident because you gave the meter the wrong command, you don't want it to explode. Oh, so right. it needs to be able to safely be in the wrong range. Right, right, right. If you're expecting low voltage and you plug it into high voltage, that's not a problem. That is not a problem. Right. Your meter you know, does that when that you hold. I also really like the idea that um, if this if this meter becomes something that is you know a, a mainstay, say for macrofab or or anyone else, I like the idea of being able to create cable harnesses that are test harnesses, where you plug them into the back of that, and then you have a dedicated test plug on your on your array of boards or whatever and then you can just plug it in and run your script I, um, mm-hmm. that's a that's i've been trying to go that way more often with my designs as opposed to like telling people get 15 of these cables and six of these and then plug them in this way like that's super yeah. annoying cool so yeah let's talk about let's talk about ac voltage do you want this thing to read ac voltage at all it's one of those I we probably never have to do it. I've, I actually don't think I've ever had to do that for a, a customer, but it's a multimeter. It probably it probably should. should do that at least yeah. in some form. And I think most meters go up to six hundred volt AC. Um, so that's probably what we have to be designed for. Yeah, the biggest thing when it comes to AC voltage isn't necessarily does it do it or does it not it's more about how it does it like you probably see in fact i bet you i'm trying pulling up a picture yeah if you pull up a picture of a fluke 87 it has some words right after fluke 87 it says true rms multimeter it's such a big deal that they silk screen it to the front of their meters uh to have true rms and they don't and the- silk screen this meter is yellow <laughs> I, they don't need to. It's pretty bold. <laughs> but but having true RMS in your meter is a big deal. Uh, and, and I guarantee you, your low $10 guys are not reading true RMS. True RMS takes a lot more work. It, it takes more expensive um, circuitry on the input. So there's, there's sort of like three grades. I think there's actually four, but I'm going to call it three. There's no AC measurement whatsoever. Then there's like average-ish AC measurement, and mm-hmm. then there's true, honest-to-God RMS. The fourth one, there's another RMS measurement in there as well that's not as good as true RMS. But effectively, most of your like $10 uh, cheapo multimeters, they're expecting to see um, a, a pure sine wave. And they'll give you the correct reading for a pure sine wave and nothing else. Everything else they will read incorrectly. Now, ninety nine percent of the time, you know, what are you? What's what's the one AC signal that you're reading for with a multimeter? Your your 
infinite power out of your wall. Yeah, your mains, right? So you're you you know you're typically just trying to read is it there or is it not kind of thing. So it, you know, I don't know how much it matters because uh, if you if you want to get more accurate, you're gonna put it on a scope and you're gonna look at it on a scope and get get some some much more accurate readings. Mm-hmm. So I I can sort of take it or leave it when it comes to AC, and I, and I agree like. Even me working a, an audio company that works with AC signals 100% of the time, like I never have to read them. I never have to, like, or if I ever have to read their amplitude, it's done on a scope. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's difficult because you're not going to, a, a technician's not going to take your rack mount meter out to a three phase motor and hook it up and try to read amplitudes on the three phase motor and hope that it's true RMS, right? Well, let's make it true RMS so we can silk screen true RMS on it. <laughs> Sort of true RMS. <laughs> Conditionally true RMS. Yep, Only yep. for side waves. <laughs> so I to to be honest, if you get rid of AC voltage, it actually makes the design a, a bit simpler. So but it is a multimeter, so probably should be able to do it. Yeah. Well the, I think we We'll have to start looking at when we actually start doing the design stuff and figure out if that's something we want to add in. Because it, the next part, which is DC-AC current, is also like, well, if you're not doing AC voltage, then you're not going to do AC current as well. <laughs> right, right. Well, if you don't do current at all, then you, you save yourself some um, some heartache. Let's put it that way. If you're just oh, doing DC doing voltage, current. it ends up just being a, 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 a voltage reading device. Like yeah, that doesn't well, no, have very doing? minimal specs. Got DC DC AC current. Let's go. Let's go next. Yeah. Okay. So if we wanted to add DC current, which I think is reasonable, oh, uh, it's going to have to have it. Yeah. Uh, what what kind of range would you would you need on something like that? Ten amp minimal. Okay. So you, do you have some clients that require that? Uh, oh yeah, there's uh, some stuff I've measured that's like. Up in the fifteen amps, easy. Okay, okay. Because um, a lot, lot of uh, lighting, a lot of uh, power supply design stuff, where you're loading stuff down with, through a, a programmable load. Got it. And you need to verify that you're pulling that much power. Well, okay. So um, if if you so want AC voltage, then you have to have AC current, and if you or other way around, right? Yeah. Well, I don't. I I can take anything AC. I can take it or leave it. Honestly, I think we should. I think we should design it in there because it is a multimeter. Yeah, yeah. For um, sure. and for the range, ten amp seems to be like the minimal what meters can do. Um, more is going to be better, of course, on the on the range. Um, and then for for accuracy slash resolution. Um, you know, micro amps. I would love that. Yeah. If if um, if it, uh, so, we, on we do a, do a so, lot of micro amps. Say if I was reading a five volt signal and I could read down to four digits or four decimal places. Um, so hundreds of micro amps or micro volts. Um, either one of those that would be that would be killer. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's a four and a half digit, you'd only get three decimal places. Yeah, I'm just so. saying that would be killer. 
and and uh, actually Craftlag brings up a kind of a funny point um in in addition to silk screening true rms on the front of something you could silk screen um low burden in all caps on on a thing uh and 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 that that is sort of a buzzword right uh low low burden being the uh uh like the the amount of voltage that's generated due to pushing uh current through a uh, a uh an ammeter <clears throat> so is that high impedance basically yeah i don't know like that's i think we're getting edge casey there i think we're getting a little too far into the weeds on that um so i would say let's dodge that so okay dc 10 10 amps DC AC current or higher. I think we should start looking at the components. The thing is, I think most banana cables are 10 amp rated. So it might be one of those we can design it. And then if someone wants more, they, they design a different connector on it, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I would say 10 amps is probably a good spot for it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I think that covers but, that. So be able, so four and a half or five and a half digit from a zero to ten amp range, and I'd like to be able to measure microamps um, with with the meter. So. Okay, I think that adds a little bit of complexity, but. Yeah. No worries. Yeah, I think the. Um. Siglants that I'm currently using, they go down to six that have a 600 microamp range, and I think that's um, I can't remember, I don't have the PDF here, but um, that's not the lowest it can read, that's just the range zero to 600 microamps, and then whatever its resolution is, is your deviations inside of there, of course, right. That's what I like it to do. So one thing that uh, I have never really used before is four wire current measurement. So I'm I've never used it before. I'm assuming what that how that works is because it uses four wires from your meter. Is two wires are sense wires that read. I want to guess the voltage at those two points that you're picking up, and so then it can. Uh, it can calibrate out the drop from the lo- wires from your meter to your DUT. That's correct. Is that how that works? Yeah, that's okay. correct. And that only works if your sense wires are the same length, right? Because you want them yeah. to both basically be equal in, in resistance. Yes. So, yeah, I, I think having four wire on that, given that this is a test environment, I think four wires is um, uh, required on this. Yeah, I would say that's a requirement as well. Yeah, and um, that that that's for resistance measurement as well. Yes, and that might that might be a uh, stretch goal. Stretch goal, yeah. or uh, we just and again, I've only done really preliminary research on some of this stuff. So, so so Craft Lab says high power amp and speakers for uh, super continuity testing mode, which. 
I love the idea. I, I would love one that just shakes the walls whenever you have a, a continuity, right? <laughs> so you can have your music on really loud, and yeah, then it's even still, louder. Yeah, you still know. Um, however, I think that kind of defeats the purpose of this thing being like a dedicated test bench. Like once again, with continuity mode, you would use your handheld for that. Um, yeah. Now it will have a continuity mode because it that's something we test a lot of. Um, but it wouldn't necessarily beep. need to beep. No, it does. It actually, if anything, it should not beep. <laughs> yeah, that might be annoying. Um, and then uh, resistance measurements, hundred percent. Um, and diode testing, which is similar to the continuity measurements. So, so all the basics, really. Yeah, all the basics. Yeah, which is what we what we talked about last week but in more detail this time yeah okay so how about uh communication i guess this is just usb over to a computer yeah usb over to a computer um and i'm going to implement what i've been doing on my test equipment which is skippy um i found that's really really useful and it's a universal style of communication to test equipment. So you could easily integrate this meter into pretty much anything else, any other test environment um, fairly easily. So Craft Lab is saying a counter. I've never used a counter for test equipment. You know, I have, but it's been really specific uh, situations. And I feel like if you need a counter, you could probably implement that in software. It would yes. not be anywhere near as accurate as hardware, but um, mm. but yes, uh, you could do that in software. Um, so for me, communication is strictly USB. Um, I see some mentions of Ethernet because uh, Skippy can go over TCP. Guess what? Make a pull request. <laughs> Add it. <laughs> Just USB for Rev 0.1. Um, well, for what I'm going to be designed for, it'll just have USB. But if someone wants to add Ethernet, they are totally welcome to add Ethernet to it. Yeah. Remember, this is so much. This is a project for Steve and I to learn about multimeter design, and also for y'all to learn about multimeter design. This is not a product for y'all to buy off the shelf. <laughs> I think that's what people need to realize about this project, too. This is not something that someone's going to go to MacFab.com and buy this thing. This is not what this is for. This is for you to learn and expand your knowledge base. I do like the idea of Ethernet, though. Uh, especially, it. especially if it was power over Ethernet and it just all ran entirely off of one cable. <laughs> That'd be tight. You add it, then. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So remember, remember how much board real estate we have in this enclosure. You have unlimited, basically. Oh, because sure. it's huge. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if someone wants to add it, they can easily add it. Cool. So how about um, powering the meter? Um, it needs to be isolated, right? Yeah, it has to be isolated. So one twenty volt AC in. Um, honestly, probably a, uh, a, uh, they make these, um, 
120 volt to basically DC output isolated blocks that are panel Bricks. mount. Yeah. No, they 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 panel mount into your chassis. I probably would use one of those. Yeah. Just to make design easier. Um, sure, can we make it cheaper doing something like a, a our own solution on the board or a wall wart or something like that? Probably. This is one of those. It's an isolated part. Uh, I wish I had that. We talked about this before on the podcast a long, long, long time ago. It was an IEC inlet that had a isolated SMPS in it. Uh, that that just you chose the output voltage and however much current. Yeah, I know. I I know what you're talking. Yeah. About. Yeah. yeah. Um I wish I had the part number on hand, but we I would I'm going to use one of those or probably will. Yeah. And what we can do is if we have multiple of these inside your chassis, you could just have one of those and it goes to each one. Mm-hmm. And so if that's true, if we treat it that way, do we want each of those banks to also be isolated? Probably, right? Yeah, probably like I would just treat each one as independent. Oh, so we would have to have multiple of these blocks then on the back of your meter and multiple AC inputs. Or just one AC input and distribute to each one of these power supplies. Well, so the isolated, that that block that goes on the back, the plug that's got the isolated DC power supply built into it, that's only isolated. But if you daisy chain that to different units inside your... No, that's meter, what, that's what I'm saying. Those aren't isolated. Just you could always just not use the one that's integrated into the IEC inlet and yeah. just use separate isolated supplies. That's probably the easiest. Yeah. Way. So what we should do then is if we're going to support multiple of these boards inside of a rack, then each board has to accept 120 volt AC. Um, or do we accept a DC voltage and it's isolated on the board? Um, because that way, that way we can be the boards become uh, country ag, ag, uh, ag, uh, agnostic. Agnostic, yes. Because then you can put in whatever AC front end you want, depending on what country, what hertz, what frequency, what well, that's the same thing. Uh, what voltage? You know, I'd uh, like to see that instead of saying it has to be one twenty volt AC or having to design. A 120 volt AC to 240 volt switcher or or um, with a switch and stuff. I'd like to keep that part of, as a separate thing. You know, so uh, you could do the 120 volt or the the wall to DC as its own module that's that's on the back, and then you just have a DC to DC isolated regulator on each board. That could work. And that would be a lot easier to design, I think. Because then you wouldn't have to worry about the wall stuff. And you can get a UL-rated part that's got all the certifications and stuff for that. And then if someone wants to use it in some other country that's got 240 volt and 50 hertz or something crazy like that, they can easily <laughs> do it. crazy. I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, that, 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 would, that would make it easy. You know, another, another um, solution is to have one board that connects to AC on the back, uh, somewhere in the back of the, the rack, that um, you populate however many power supplies you want in it. So if you only have one, populate one power supply, and then it just delivers whatever voltage it spits out. If you have two, populate two. 
you know? Well, and there's, well, there's also a way to think about is if, um, if you did it the other way with it, the boards accepted DC, then you could populate it into a backplane style. You could change the form factor of the board itself to be a backplane style. And then you could slot these into a backplane. Um, Yeah, so you can either design an AC module board that's got isolated output sold DC or, yeah. I, I like having the DC isolated on the boards themselves because then that kind of self-contains each unit. You don't have to... You don't have to have anything else to make multiple of these boards inside of a, inside of a rack. Yeah, I think I, I think I lean that way. Although I do, I do like the... The idea of a card edge kind of thing that just adds complexity that's unnecessary. Well, that's if someone wants to make a card edge version, they can. Sure. And so we'll just have an isolated DC DC converter on on each, each board. board. Yeah, yeah, and that makes it so it makes it easier to make that a module that you can multiply into a rack. Yeah, it's an individual thing. It stands alone. Yeah. Cool. I dig it. So, uh, okay, so how about the enclosure? You already kind of mentioned it, just a 19-inch or a 17-inch rack, um, 1U high, and you said about 8 inches deep, which is a pretty stock rack. Uh, that's yeah, one that's, you can just buy off the shelf. Exactly. Um, now, it can be any form factor anyone it really wants. Uh, so things to think about is we need mounting holes. <laughs> For sure. Um, now, do what? You're just not going to duct tape your stuff down to the board or to the enclosure? No. Um, <laughs> so the thing about, thing about the mounting holes is, do we ground these boards to the chassis or not? Oh, I see what you. Um, so does does the through holes have exposed copper so you can clamp these? You can screw these down into the chassis. Um. Well, okay, so 100%, the whole chassis gets grounded to earth ground earth, the yes. to, at the IEC for safety reasons. Yeah. That's required. Uh, yes. I think you could leave the, the meters floating. In fact, that's probably preferable. Yeah, because they're isolated. Yeah, they're isolated, so float them. Um, that way you can, you can do all the multimeter tricks with them, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, so they should be floating. Yeah. So your mounting holes need to be isolated. Completely. Yeah, yeah. Or if so that you way, have, like, banana jacks go through the chassis, like, they don't bolt to the chassis. Correct, yeah. Um, yeah, so the the meter itself needs to be floating, and then the mounting holes themselves are isolated, meaning that we don't require a specific type of mounting, meaning you can use metal screws if you want. Oh, right, yeah. You don't have to use plastic standoffs. Right, the whole board is designed not to, um, not to ignore the mounting holes. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, one thing that we didn't talk about on uh, communication is I do want to put the capability built into the board to have a screen on it. Oh, just right. so that the operator or, or when you're programming... You and your your setup, you know what the meter is doing. It doesn't need to send live updates or anything like that to it. Certainly, someone could. 
because it's going to be open source and you can change the firm uh, the, the firmware. But I want to be like, it's in voltage mode in this range. That's like what I care about. Oh, you don't even um, want it to display the value. You can though. You totally can. It's just that's only in firmware. So having a way to hook up a screen is going to be part of this first iteration. And I'm thinking just a standard, you know, like 16 by two character display. So having that capability of having that kind of screen hookup, um, that's whatever that protocol is, uh, the four bit or eight bit parallel. Mm, yeah. To the screen. Uh, we'll probably use the four bit style though. Cause that's way less pins. Um, and honestly though, that's just so you know what the meter is doing. That's that's um, really useful for development of the test software. That's the thing. It's it's for development yeah. purposes. Um, and if someone wants to actually turn that into, it's actually spitting out what it's reading. Go right ahead. Yeah. Now, the big thing: safety. Because within certain limits, this thing should not kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, so it's connecting to mains. So there's there's mains fuses for uh, for that side, but uh, all the inputs are fused or need to be fused as well. Correct. Um, and on, but on the the in the design that I want to do, the AC side is kind of taken care of safety wise in terms of the isolated block um, that's spitting out DC voltage. And so that goes into the meters, uh, the meter boards, and then that goes through a DC isolation voltage. And then, so the boards themselves will need to have protection from that DC voltage side, right? Um, so probably a fuse and then a couple diodes. Yeah, and, and on most cheapo multimeters, you see a 200 milliamp fuse and a 10 amp fuse um, for different current ranges. Yes. Now, um, I really like how the siglets are set up. They are one, because most meters have two ports for amps. They have a 10 amp and then a milliamp, microamp range. The siglet's got one. Now, I don't know if it's switching different inputs or how it's handling that, but that's how I'd like to set it up. It, It only has, this port is amperage. And actually, I'll go in farther is... We kind of, I kind of alluded to this when we were talking about voltage and current, and you brought up you usually have two different ports because it depends on where you're swinging the, the dial mm. on your meter. This thing doesn't have a dial, so we don't need to do that. We can have one input and then a common, plus the two more for if we do a four-wire. Four and, so, and then just and switch just, voltage to current? Yeah. And so when you say I want to take a current reading, it just switches to that current that, that proper setup in in the on the hardware. Okay. Yeah, because we, we shouldn't need a dedicated pin f- or dedicated banana jack for that. It should just be that pin. So you you limit um, how many uh, banana jacks you have on the back. So you're talking about just four. Yeah, just four. The Siglent's got five. What's the other one for? Well, you you have the four for four wire, and then you have the 
the current, the 10 amp current. Yes, yes, yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking is you have the four, but the voltage can also do current because why couldn't it? Well, that's that's just the one thing that I was I was like, if somebody was was writing their test procedure and they accidentally switch current instead of voltage, that's when you could run into mm, problems. You know, mm, that's the one yeah, thing. Yeah, because you just you would just blow a fuse right away. You are right. We shouldn't do that. You we should have a separate input stuff. for it. <laughs> yeah. So five. You're right. Five would be more ideal. Uh, although I like the idea of four because once you have your wires connected, you don't have to switch things around, especially if it's on the backside of a rack. But yeah. but but the we got to remember back to the original concept of this. This is a test, a piece of test gear for a test situation. If you know you're going to be doing current, you're going to set this thing up and plug it in for current, and you're going to leave it that way. Um, well, so the thing is, it will have. Um, what I want it to do on the also on the inside is all the jacks are disconnected on power up. Oh, so they're all like relay connected. Yeah, they're all relay connected. So you can actually technically disconnect everything if you want to. And so that's why I was thinking you can get away with just four, two for sense, and then two for Voltage your sense common. wire, and then your common or your yeah. reference. It actually starts becoming more like an oscilloscope in that way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, I think I might stick with five and 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 just make it dummy proof. But the thing is, if, if you have five, it doesn't stop anyone from plugging the plug into the wrong spot and then turning it on, and then it just dumps a bunch of current through it. <laughs> well, that's it's true, I guess. Set up in, because the wires are set up in voltage. We'll have to play with it. I think I think it would be a good idea to... Um, we can get easily get do four. Just four. And that way you just have one common. Um, though... If someone can make a good argument of why we need five, I'd love to hear it. Okay. Why would why would we need a dedicated banana jack? If we could basically connect the banana jack to either the voltage side of the front end or the current side of the front end, why do we need two? Make them separate. I think Someone might have a really obvious reason why. That. What was that? No, uh, never mind. Go ahead. So that that would be... Because that's the thing is, I'm thinking these are not even connected all the time. They're relay connected. Would you ever so need you to could, do both voltage and current? And if so, oh, would you just use a second one? You would have to use... It's a multimeter, so you'd have to use a second one because you're going through the same common... Yeah, you know, my bad. You're right. Yeah. No, you're totally right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're at 55 minutes. So, let's, so I found an IC that might work for this. It's the HY3131 um, by Hikonic. Hikontic? Oh, okay. Something like that. Hikon Technology. Um, and... Uh, Digilent has actually made a Arduino shield based on this chip. I got one on order just so I can at least test drive this stuff. Mm. Um, now, their hardware design only goes up to like 50 volts, stuff like that, but that's that's all the front-end work and resistor divider stuff that we've got to develop. Um, 
Now, the only thing is I haven't dealt gone too far into the data sheet yet, but I do not think it can do four wire because it's not really designed. This chip is mostly for handheld multimeters. You know, it's not for a uh, benchtop model, which would have the sense wires. So I think I, this is just a, a goofy thing, but but I think I, I found a typo in this data sheet for it because I was reading it earlier and I was like, okay, well, what kind of what kind of power does it get powered off of? And if you go to their their page where it says supply voltage, uh, it says typical is three point six volts. The maximum is three point six plus fifty millivolts, and the minimum is three point six minus fifty millivolts. So. According to this data sheet, you have a 100 millivolt window to hit the supply voltage perfectly for this thing. I'm pretty sure this thing can actually be powered off of 3.3 volts. And uh, that supply range is supposed to be like, I don't know, 3.0 minus 50 millivolts. Such as you have a... Yeah. You, but like, <laughs> if you read this, it's like, holy crap, I got to be super accurate on my power supplies. Well, I mean, it is a digital multimeter, so... <laughs> It demands perfection. Uh, yeah, so this looks like one of those all-in-one packages that just kind of gets the job done, right? It doesn't do everything, um, but does most of the stuff that we were talking about and adding a little bit more stuff, we could probably get to do more. The only thing is I don't think it does do the four-wire. Honestly, though, you would do two of these chips and then you could do four-wire. Because the fourth wire, the, you're just measuring. Um, you're uh, measuring voltage. voltage and current. Yeah. So te- so if you had two chips, you could do four wire. Because you'd basically you'd need two multi because two multimeters could do four wire if they don't have if they don't technically support four wire. Yeah. Uh, this thing also does. Gosh, what is it? Fifty thousand count or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is a 5,000. Um, oh, yeah. The HY3130 does 5,000 count, which is pretty low. Uh, but the, the, the one you're caught calling out, the 3131, does 50,000 count. Uh, so that should get us decent enough accuracy for what we're going for here. I thought the count was speed. No. Uh, there's like a whole thing that's like all the specifications ah, of right. multimeters. Higher counts provide better resolution for certain measurements. Right. Okay. See, this is why I want to des- this is why I want to design one because I had no idea half the time. I'm I'm gonna post this uh this is actually a a, a post on uh, a DigiKey forum, but it it calls out all the different specifications of a um uh, multimeter and multimeter just a, what it a, means. A, a description of it, like resolution, range, display counts, those kinds of things. Like display counts, uh, if you have a fifty thousand count meter, it will read, say forty nine point nine 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 before switching over to fifty volts. Gotcha. And at that okay. point, it'll read fifty point zero zero. So it it gotcha. It's it's also dependent. It also gives it a, um, an idea of how many digits it'll show on a screen. Whereas a five thousand count will show much fewer. Like five thousand count gotcha. will show five zero. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. All so right. one more thing. Yeah. Uh, before we go, is 
last week we talked a little bit like if we wanted to do a Python stream, an introduction to Python for like hardware engineers on a stream. And everyone was like, yes. Um, so we need to schedule that. When should we do that? Uh, well, let's let's throw it out there. And uh, if anyone wants to be a part of that. So, so actually, let's give a quick description of what we're talking about. Like this is... Uh, this is not how to program Python. No, this is using Python for... Well, Test so scripting. I, well, I'm, what, you know, what I'm thinking of is like installing Python on like a Windows box, yeah. like a a quick tutorial on how to make that work, setting up an IDE real quick. Um, we're probably going to use PyCharm. And even though I don't use nearly like, this is going to be a learning experience for me too because I only have somewhat of a developer background for Python. Because um, there's way more than that IDE can do besides being a really fancy text editor, right? Um, setting that kind of stuff up, making sure that stuff runs, write a little script in Python. This is not going to be like an introduction of how to write Python. So, you know, teaching syntax is not what this is for. But then on the other side is setting up a Arduino to respond and basically making a computer program talk to an embedded system over a COM port with Python on one end and Arduino C language on the other end. And I think we can easily do that in probably an hour or two. Yeah, that sounds probably more like two. Um, okay, so so if you're interested in that, I would say let's get on let's get some more conversation going on the Slack channel and start proposing dates. For that, so okay. if you're not on the Slack channel already, um, come and join up. MacFab.com, what, slash Slack? Yeah. And then I will try to record it, because we'll probably do a, a Hangout um, with uh, um, Stephen and I, and then we'll have we'll live stream it, of course. Um, and then I'll record the live stream as a, uh, a VOD. I think, I think Twitch calls it Video On Demands, whatever. And then throw that on YouTube. No editing though, so it's gonna be like a two-hour slog of tech issues. <laughs> so we'll find we'll afterwards. find out, you know, for for the community if I don't know a Saturday night is better than say a Wednesday night. Yeah. So yeah, just uh, we'll make it a uh, a poll on the Slack channel. Cool. So yeah, join up and um, let us know if you want to be a part of that. Yep. So that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillman and Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, Yes You Are Listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, or a really cool idea for this multimeter project, let Stephen and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email, or email us at podcast at macfed.com you think after like five years of doing this i could speak well no also check out our slack channel you can find it at macfed.com slash slack